Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. the best part of my client's day, right? Like you make somebody come, you've made them happy. So I know like, there's always who's gonna not, be who's not happy about an orgasm. I think that I mean I, I think that's kind of hot. I mean I certainly have my little fantasy <laughs> about someone, you know, a stranger or someone paying me. Of course he but I wonder if he's good looking in the fantasy, he's good looking. <laughs> before, I would have been like, hey, don't be coming to me with your feelings. Like when you start wanting to have the feelings talk, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Why is this guy doing this to me? Like, really? Come on. We knew what the guidelines were. I feel a nervousness when I have a female client that I don't feel with a new male client. Interesting. I'm never nervous to meet a new male client. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. We'll have a returning guest today. But for those of you who don't know Aubrey yet, she's a 30-something independent sex worker living and working in Ontario, Canada. And she describes herself as a smart slut in a capitalist patriarchy, passionate about sex and sex work and sex workers' rights. Welcome back, Aubrey. Thank you. I'm really happy to be back. I'm I know. So I'm, I'm excited to like do a second conversation about this because I feel like first time I was very excited to talk to you. And now I feel like I have more like, I'm ready to go deeper with the questions this time. I think I was just kind oh, of... <laughs> I also want to tell people what a fun jokester you are because, and, and I love, <laughs> I love your snarky sarcasm. It's like that, that person lives inside of me every day. And I love that you have a, I noticed you have a joke pinned to your Twitter feed at the top there. And it's something about after giving a blowjob or something, somebody says, you're really good at this. And you said something like, yeah, or I should do it for professionally or I'm butchering it. What, what does it say? <laughs> oh yeah, that was what I had pinned before. Uh, something about, yeah, every time my clients compliment me on my blowjob skills, I like to say, thanks, maybe I should do it professionally. Yes, <laughs> I should yeah. take, take this up, yes. So what is your, what do you think your sexual superpower is? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Okay. I think honestly, it's just the way that I connect with my clients, right? It's the way that they can feel comfortable with me. And I think I've just gotten really, really, really good at reading between the lines with men because I've I've been watching them for a long time in their most like vulnerable, intimate state. So yes, this is what I want to get into. I want to get into more of that because I didn't really get into that last time. And I'm just like, why not? Because I love to dig. I love to get like, give me the nuggets. Okay. But before we start getting deep, let's just, can you give my listeners just a little bit about your backstory and what got you into sex work in the first place? Well, I first entered the industry back when I was 21. I'm 37 now. So a long, long time ago, Yeah, but I haven't, I haven't been consistently in the industry. That was just my first foray into it. And I was a single mother to a young child and a university student at the time. And then I re-entered the industry, I guess, just before I was 30 or yeah, a couple years before I turned 30 maybe. And it was just going to be like a temporary thing, but I... I just found a new love for it, having re-entered independently and being my own boss and finding 
just my own personal voice, really, like the ability to assert myself and all of the things that make it necessary, I think, to have a good experience in the industry mm-hmm. that I just didn't have when I was younger. So coming back into it with that new headspace, I really found a lot of joy in it. And it just suited my life. Like as a single mom, like it's nice to make my own hours. It's nice to take days off when I need to. And it's nice to provide basically like a stay-at-home mom experience to my kids while earning decent living and and having fun a lot of the time doing it. Like I'm often the best part of my client's day, right? Like you make somebody come, you've made them happy. So (laughs) I know there's always going to be Who's not happy about an orgasm? You know, like you can't leave grumpy. It's almost impossible, I would say, to leave grumpy after coming. Yes. Yes. Very, very rare to have anybody that's not having a good time with me. So yeah, I really feed off of that energy. I enjoy it. So what take, let's roll the clock way back. And what did you think? I want to know, what did you think of that first night you went to sleep after you had your very first client? Like when you put your head on that pillow, how did you feel about it? And how did you perceive sex before sex work? Well, I was always <laughs> promiscuous uh, in my teen years. So sex wasn't in any way foreign to me. Sex work was completely foreign to me. My only perception of it prior to entering the industry was what I saw represented in the media. And that's often not a very good representation of reality. But I also just like I had gone into it so completely blind. I had no idea what it was going to be like. I honestly thought, like you hear the term escort and I thought, okay, so I'm going to be like set up to go on like a date with a client and then it ends in sex and there's money exchanged. And like, really, I was working in like a brothel type setting that was like an apartment and you're just doing shifts and you're just seeing clients and trying to book as many as you can. That's income. And it's just, it was just like, like I had no idea what I was getting into. And then I can't remember if I told the story or not the last time that we talked, but I randomly on my very first day, on my very first shift, I arrived and realized I had gotten my period. So... I you, did. you did tell this story, but I want you to tell it really quickly again because I never forgot the what you used to like stop. No, that. I used it now, but I didn't use it that day. What oh, I used okay. was I just friggin' had like oral uh, anal sex and oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> like, so how's about that anal? <laughs> like, you're pushing that you were pushing the anal heavy that day. <laughs> well, the first client that I got set up, like I, because when the, I, I guess you would call her the madam or the manager or yeah. whatever, but the woman who ran it, when she was kind of giving me the little intro walkthrough, like she showed me the room that I would be working out of. And there's like, it looks like a bedroom, uh, set up like a bedroom. And then like, she's just like, so, you know, you might offer them a massage and then like suck their dick and blah, blah, blah. And like, so I just, at that point thought it was more like, Okay, so it's more like a rub and tug situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still didn't know. And she wasn't like spelling it out. She probably didn't think she had to. And I was just like, all right. So when I realized I had gotten my period, I asked if she had any tampons there and told her I got. And she was like, are you you sure you want to work? And I didn't want her to like not have me come back. So she's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Because I thought at that point, oh, it's like a rub and tug situation. But then, yeah, my first client, I said, when he like, started moving towards like going further. I just was like, oh, by the way, I have my period, so I can't do that. And then he suggested anal and I was just like, oh, okay. There's a workaround. There's a workaround. Yeah. So, So my first experience was probably a little more bizarre or extreme than a lot of people's first experience. There was some really weird circumstances, but I think that like, I'm trying hard to remember going to bed that night and I can't, but I do remember just like the first while 
that I was working there, like it was very exhilarating. It was very exhilarating. Like, like the ego high of like just being desired and yeah. feeling like these people are paying to fuck me. Like, right. so it was like, that kind of high and then just like the excitement of it like you're you're doing something that's so taboo you're doing something that's like so hush hush and like it's a different world and like so it was I think that would, I mean I, I think that's kind of hot I mean I certainly have my little fantasies <laughs> about someone you know, a stranger or someone paying me of course he, but I want him to be good looking in the fantasy he's good looking <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not Joe Schmo with a dad bod, right? You know yeah, well well I mean some of them are good looking, but to be honest, I prefer the clients that aren't that good looking the ones who are good looking and think they're good looking are generally like not the ones that I want to deal with I like the nice guys that just appreciate really that's interesting yeah okay and you know what it's rarely the good looking guys that make me come like it's it's often the like yeah all the ones that you wouldn't think just because for me I think that I can come if I can get into the right headspace and I can get into the right headspace if like the vibe is good. I can relax and to be able to relax in that dynamic, like you need somebody who's not entitled, who's not pushy, who's not somebody you have to stay on guard with, right? Because primarily you have to be concerned about your safety first and foremost, right? Yeah. So that high alert is going to be on when you're around anybody who has anything that screams a sense of entitlement or a sense of like, oh, I shouldn't even have to be paying for this, but I just happen to be today. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) It just so often the ones who present themselves or think that they're good looking, they're they're the assholes. So I don't end up having a good time because I have to be more on in that and I can't relax into it. But the ones who are just like, they're not trying to pretend it's anything it's not. They're appreciative. They're like, I have the best time with them. I relax. I have orgasms. It's good times. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. Yeah, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Because I, I can tell you just, and I'm sure when you step out of the the work mindset, just on a personal level, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing too. A lot of times the strong sevens or the B might, the eights, <laughs> I call them, they work really hard in bed. Like they, they're very giving, very generous. They've taken the time to master and understand and know a woman's body mm-hmm. a little more than the really good looking guys who... It's there's a bit of arrogance there. So they just don't think yeah. that it's as much about your pleasure as it is theirs. Yeah. Strictly just one on, you know, just personally. You know, and I won't say that in all cases, but I have, you know, over the I over the years I have noticed that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. give me a strong seven or eight. <laughs> work with that. Yeah. <laughs> and they're fun and they want to explore and they want to please and and it's reciprocal. Yeah, I've noticed okay. that. So was it hard in the beginning to separate out the work from the way you viewed sex before you became, well, you said you were kind of, there was some promiscuity there, but was it just hard to separate out? It's the work and then there's my personal stuff. Or was that just something that you managed easily? Like just strictly personal sex life or my personal life as a whole? Like what are you? Yeah, just your just your romantic life. Like how you compartmentalize like, this is the work stuff. And then this is the personal stuff. And I guess I'm kind of also curious about like with what I used to do before podcasting, I did it a lot. I was very good at it. I certainly didn't want to talk about it and have that flow over into my personal relationships. I kind of wanted everything not to do with that. So I'm wondering how you manage it when you got sex over here and then you got sex over here. 
but they're totally two different categories. Right. So before when I was doing sex work, when I had one relationship where I was actually hiding that I was a sex worker because I was still like completely in the closet. So that was just a whole other ballgame of like stress and it was terrible. My last relationship, which I was in the the new stages of the last time we talked. You were in the honeymoon <laughs> phase. Like yeah. listening to you two talking to each other like they are in deep. <laughs> they are in deep. Yeah. So that didn't work out and we split up, but I didn't find that it made me want to be any less sexual with him. I still very much like I I was very attracted to him. I was very like horny for him, but also like it's a different thing within a relationship, right? It's a way that you're connecting and expressing your feelings for each other, right? So there's so many more layers to it that you're not having in the sex work. So it it feels different just by nature in that regard, I think, in a relationship. So does Um, it feel like two just completely different things? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Which it makes sense. I wanted to ask that because I felt like a lot of people would be like, how do you balance that? How does one not flow over into the other? What, what I would say is it went the other way in that I would say that my client, I'm not going to say that my clients suffered when I was in that relationship, but I will say that they have very much benefited from the breakup. Yeah. I am. You have more time. I'm not getting those needs met anywhere else at the moment. I'm not dating and I'm not fucking anybody in my personal time. So I'm having a blast having a lot of good with my clients. So yeah. they're definitely benefiting from the breakup. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm so curious. Like, what's the number one reason men come to see you? I mean, what are they, are they struggling with something? Like what's their number one issue that says, I've got to go pay and to be with a professional? I wouldn't say that you could say that there is one thing. Like, I mean, it all boils down to just like a basic desire for intimacy. But the reasons they need it or feel like they want to see a professional, those vary like so much. So you definitely have some guys who are in committed relationships and want to step outside of that to get sex needs met without having an affair or, a, you know, they want the the discretion and the like yeah. transactional nature of seeing a sex worker. So you have that, you have single guys that aren't into the Tinder thing who don't want to like have any pretense or whatever. You've got guys that are single and they're like, perfectly eligible bachelors, but they're like super focused on their career and they don't have time to do the whole thing. And they just want someone they can have an appointment with, get their needs met and get on with their busy lives. You've got, I see a lot of, cause I'm near the Toronto area. So I actually see a lot of lonely immigrants guys who have come here on their own. Mm -hmm. And especially because we've been living the last few years in this pandemic, I'm seeing a lot of people where like the usual ways that they would meet people are not, haven't been available. Like how do you move to a new country and then a pandemic happens? Right. How do you make real connections with people? Right. So the reasons are like, Yeah, really varied. And the clientele is really varied. Like I've seen every fucking demographic imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that surprises you the most? (laughs) It's hard to think of anything as like, I've just become numbed to surprise in general, right? (laughs) No, like I think that, I think that at one point it was surprising to me how many men are looking for more than getting off. How many men are wanting to just hold you for a while? And that means more to them than when they fuck you. They still want to fuck you. Yeah, yeah, right. 
very rare to have an appointment that doesn't involve them having sexual interactions. But I was surprised at just how many are just like so starved for that intimacy in those forms. And yeah, yeah. So, so that was kind of surprising at one yeah. point. I think there's just this unspoken thing that we don't really acknowledge that men need the intimacy. They need yeah. it just like we do. It's yeah. important to them. They yeah. may go about it in different ways, but it's still a key component that human beings need. They need that closeness, that bond, that touch, physical touch. Right. And because we don't, as a society, because of the patriarchy, because we don't recognize it as a valid need for men, they don't get that need met in other ways in their life in the same way that women often can. Like it's more likely that a a woman can get affection and emotional support and things in her relationships, her platonic relationships with women and men. I mean, I think there is a shift with the generations. There's a generational shift and things are changing. But yeah, a lot of men aren't getting a lot of hugs or cuddles or those kinds of things that women feel safe to give each other without judgment. So I totally agree. I totally agree with that. That's why I'm asking these questions. I'm like, this is fascinating. (laughs) No, because I I see that. I see that myself. Uh, Just being observant, doing what I've done for six years. And I just find it fascinating that, and even me as myself, when I started doing this six years ago, I really overlooked the feeling component from men. I was thinking like, this is great because I'm going to be jumping in and fucking like a man. And what what that meant to me is we got no feelings here. It's just, I mean, I have to like you and hopefully we, it's reasonable. We want to hang out and do things and stuff, but it's predominantly about sex. When you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And that to me was my idea about how I was going to do all this and how that was going to make the the fuel that was going to make the ship run and really staying true to that principle. Like don't, nobody needs emotions here. That's like... (laughs) was I was doing in the very beginning stages of this. And then then I was like, wow, because you can't really control that. You will bond with who you bond with. And, and hormones are powerful too. Yeah. And they can like make us feel emotions that actually aren't there too, right? Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes. And so it's just been this wonderful and really interesting realization about all this stuff. And then starting to realize how to manage it myself. And then also with other people before I would have been like, Hey, don't be coming to me with your feelings. Like when you start wanting to have the feelings talk, I was like, Oh boy, here we go. Why is this guy doing this to me? Like, really? Come on. We knew what the guidelines were, but now I'm just like, I'm so different about it. And I just know it's like, you can't control these things. You just have to be gracious about it when it happens as as best you can. So, but yeah, I was just, I was really curious about what you, just the commonalities and common threads that you saw, even though everybody's different, has a different story. I figured there were some strong constants too with the clients that you see. Now, are you, do you see women or couples at all? I, I know you mentioned, I thought you mentioned you did have a couple at one point, but I wasn't sure if that was really kind of something you focused on. I used to see couples. I don't anymore. I just find it. I actually like the longer I've been in the business, the more I've kind of simplified and really just focused on where I feel I'm strongest. So Mm -hmm. my offerings have shifted in a way. I just found with couples, like so often the case is that the guy is into it and the girl is into it because the guy is into it and she thinks that she's going to be okay with it or like there's just so many more variables and then also just like if I've never met these people before I'm automatically outnumbered so I don't know what kind of a situation I'm in so I, I don't like the idea I like I had never agreed to see two men at a time for that safety reason but just now like I just I find it simpler to not do couples. I am happy to see single women and I have seen single women. It's just, it's so rare for them. How is it Uh, different? Okay. When a female 
client comes versus a man. I mean, I have all these ideas in my head. Like, I think it's obvious. I think it'd be obvious, right? But the biggest difference. Are you like seducing them differently or what do you do? Like, (laughs) I mean, there's not a ton of seduction involved in either case because the, there's no trying to get somebody into the, you know what I mean? Like we all know we're there for sex. So, (laughs) so there's not a ton of seduction really that I have to put into it either way, but like aren't they a little slower or more nervous or I don't know. Women are great. I love having sex with women. I haven't had sex with a woman in a while, but women are great. And they are, yeah, I've had really good sexual experiences with women. The difference for me is I actually don't like it as much in in my business because I feel a nervousness when I have a female client that I don't feel with a new male client. Interesting. I, I'm never nervous to meet a new male client. Like I don't feel even like a hint yeah. of nervousness. And it's it's actually kind of comical the way I just switch gears. Like, like why, do you, the, why do you think that is? Like what's driving that? Well, number one, like men are just so much easier. They're less complex generally speaking, sexually. (laughs) Um, We love love you men, but you're simple creatures. They do vary, but like, it's not a ton of variation usually. And like, you can figure out very quickly how to get them off. Whereas women are just like, I've never, like every experience I've had with a woman has been completely unique and not the same as another. I find they're they're all different. So so there's the pressure of like, am I gonna be able to perform? Like I feel so overcompetent in pleasing men. <laughs> like yeah. overqualified. Overqualified. Like, I'm not yeah. pressing at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not I don't think about it like at all. And I'm like, I know my blowjob skills are amazing. And like yeah. but like I said, yeah, women are just different. So it's there's that. But then I I don't know. It's like it's less of an ego boost to me now. And my ego is so Boosted? I, well, no, I don't. I don't have much ego anymore okay. when it comes to my business with men. Like because, like, I don't want. I don't need that validation from men anymore. Like I've had so much of that male validation that it's yeah. like, okay, sure, that's that was nice of you to say that I look pretty, but like, like it doesn't impact me. But like with women, it's like I, I want to impress them. I want them to like. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I know. No, I think I know. I, I think that, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense because it's the same as like, if you have a man give you a compliment, like even just as a, as a hetero woman, if you have a, a woman give you a compliment about your clothing item or your makeup or your whatever, it, it just, means so much more, I think. No, I know I know exactly what you're talking about because we're so getting it from men. And when it's from a woman, it's special because like that just doesn't happen very often. It's rarer. I totally get that. That makes sense. Yeah. And it feels like they like they have more of like that refined taste. Like they see what that effort was or that. Yeah. Yeah. No, with women, I think I just, yeah, my ego is still tied into it. Like I would not care if a man like told me to my face that he thought I was ugly. I would not care if a man like told me that he couldn't get hard because I'm whatever. Like it would not impact me. It would roll off my back and I'd be like, on to the next one. (laughs) That's, you're still going to have to pay for my time. Okay. Next. But if I left a woman unsatisfied, I it would devastate me for life. Well, I think my life. I yeah. think that I was trying to fall asleep when I was 75 and it would haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, we don't want that happening. Okay. Uh, this may be a little bit redundant, but what have you learned most about men through sex work? Oh God. <laughs> Whatever comes to mind. Yeah, that's, so hard to answer. I've learned that they can be really predictable. Like they have patterns. Like if we look at it as like a scientist just studying men, right? Like 
And I kind of do that. I think that I'm a little bit weird. Like, like it fascinates me all the little idiosyncrasies, right? So like when a client comes, like I'll notice, did he fold his underwear? Did he sling it on the chair? Did he hang his towel or leave it on the floor? And it's not even like a judgment thing, although I might huff and puff a little if they make a big mess for me to clean up. It's it's just more like I'm fascinated and I'm trying to like piece together the patterns and see where there's connections. And like, I really see it in when I'm screening just based on text conversations, like you really notice patterns in communication styles and then how they're going to behave within an appointment. So it's gone to the point where Like I can predict it so accurately that I rarely am having negative experiences with clients because I'm filtering all the ones that I know are going to piss me off or push my boundaries or give me ass in any way. And I'm privileged enough to be at a point in my business where I can do that and I can be picky and I can say no to, to business, right? And know that other business will be there for me. So, but... Yeah, they do all sort of seem to fall into these categorizable patterns mm-hmm. that you pick up on. You're like, oh, so guys who do this tend to do this too. And it's these unre- seemingly unrelated little actions or habits, but you can start to see patterns. And I don't know how useful that is in, <laughs> in much, this is No, I just, you know what? <laughs> My wheels are going here. No, this is very, this is very useful. This is very useful, Aubrey. I'm telling you. Oh my God. I just, I just made you a million dollars in my head right now. Okay. (laughs) My business mind is like, okay, I got a thought on that one. (laughs) I'll talk to you about it afterwards. I don't want to give it away, but um, no, I mean, I think that's really, that's true. I think that's true. And it's important. And you are able to develop your business, make it run smoother, and also do a lot of things, I'm sure, probably keep yourself safer. Yeah. Just having better overall experiences with your clients because you're just eliminating the riffraff. So you're able to give them the best experience possible because there's no like you said, you know, when you're with somebody and they're, if they're, if you got a haggle or they're entitled or any of that bullshit, then you're not going to have a good experience with them and they're going to feel it on some level. They may not be a good return. Like I'm sure you probably think like if you have enough, just return really good, solid clients, you're set instead of having to constantly churn and churn and churn. So you do have to churn and churn and churn and churn and churn. That that is the thing with this business is that because it's a luxury service, you can have a really big roster of repeat clientele, but it's unlikely that that a lot of them are going to be coming like so frequently just because it's an expensive endeavor and it's also um <clears throat> you know, not everybody wants to be going weekly to see a sex worker. Like, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they should. Spend your time and money for a lot of them. And I know a lot of them would love to come more often, but the, they have to budget for it, right? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd love to go and get a massage every day, but my budget's not going right. to do that. So you do kind of have to turn keep churning. And then also there's a lot of clients who want to find somebody they're comfortable with and only see them. But there's also a lot of people that part of the appeal of of sex workers is that they can just have this variety of partners that they would not otherwise have. So you can give them the best service and they're still going to go and see other people because they're just looking for the variety of it, right? Yeah. They're they're collecting Pokemon. Yeah. (laughs) Right. <laughs> exactly. And what have you learned the most about women through sex work? Hmm. Wow. Told Nobody you. ever asks me that one. I told you I was going to go deeper. <laughs> That's a good one. It, I would say that in general, when you are an out and open and outspoken and more public sex worker, you really, you see a lot of misogyny, but then you also see a lot of internalized misogyny in women too. And I think that that's where... 
Can you give me an example? Can you give me an example of that? Sure. Like just slut shaming in general is generally internalized misogyny, right? Like why do we slut shame women? Because we have these sexist ideas about female sexuality and about respectability for women that we simply don't put the same pressure on men for. And so when you see women who are slut shaming other women, it's it's just because they've internalized. We're all raised in this society. So even the most like liberal or most conscious amongst us who do think critically about those things, like I still have sexist thoughts, like internal reactions to things all the time. Yeah. And then you you have to check yourself, right? Yeah. Like, sometimes a beautiful woman will say something really profound and I'm like, surprised by her intelligence. And I'm like, how am I surprised by her intelligence? Because I assumed that she couldn't be intelligent because she's attractive. I mean, I'm an intelligent, attractive woman. Right. Yeah, I know. But it's just like, it's, it's so hard to avoid. It's so pervasive, right? So think that what I've seen from women is that I've had women who have been so supportive. Like, for example, with my Twitter, I get a lot of feedback from strangers, right, on Twitter. And there are so many women on there who are out there defending me to people who are saying, putting me down for sex work. They're out there defending me and they have no skin in the game at all. So I think that it just you see the extremes in everybody in society in how they react to you as an out sex worker. Yeah. And see a lot of projection too, (laughs) like a lot, because people just have these ideas and they have their own fears. So some women, like their biggest fear is their husband cheating on them. So a sex worker is threatening to them. Sure. Like the concept of sex workers existing is threatening to them. And I can empathize with that completely, (laughs) completely. Yeah. I really can. But so I just think that I'm not sure that I've learned much about women. I think that I've just been treated to some of the more extreme ends of people because because people have such powerful internal reactions to sex work and to sex workers. But I think that I'm somebody who's comfortable on the margins, who's I'm okay with being disliked. And I kind of see a main, I feel like one of my main purposes in this life is to kind of be a disruptor of the status quo and to challenge those ideas for people. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that have told me that just just from following my Twitter account, it has changed their ideas about it because it's just a matter of exposure, right? You have a very fun Twitter account, by the way. I think everybody should follow you because not only, I mean, you're, you're very witty and you're (laughs) like I said, and then, and then you have this, like, I love the snark, just literally just sitting down. This is no joke. Just sitting down and reading through your feed and the way you respond to people and the things you say, like it's entertainment in and of itself. Like, seriously, it's, I love it. Yeah. You're, you, you try and be like, I think people think that I have like a Twitter persona, but I don't. No, that's and I don't. I don't have a sex work persona either. Like I have obviously, like obviously Aubrey is not my real name. And that's like, a safety issue, but well, Layla's not my real name, and that's a safety yeah. issue. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all it's all me, and and with my Twitter account, I think that like when I comment politically on sex work or sex worker rights or decrim or any of that stuff, sure, that make a little bit of a difference. But the real actual difference I think that I make is that I showcase no holds barred, so much of myself, my personal life, my work life, who I am, how I view the world. I'll randomly write a weird poem about the moon and tweet it. Like I'm just showing 
the real me. And so when people are confronted by my humanity, they're confronted by the concept that, hey, sex workers are just people. They're just people. And once you're confronted by that, you kind of can't, you can't stay as ignorant, right? And you start to actually think, well, like maybe some of these other ideas I have in my head about sex workers or sex work, maybe they're, maybe they're not right. And it, I think that I open up people's minds a lot more in that way. Even in, I was very open as I was falling in love with my ex. I posted a lot, a lot about him on my Twitter account. And then um, I had actually taken an eight month break from Twitter. And when I came back, I just also posted openly about my heartbreak. And I... I've been open about that. And I think those are the common human experiences, right? We've all fallen in love. We've all had our heart broken. So those are the things that people can connect with me on. Like, no, they'll never suck a dick for cash or they'll never have some of those experiences. They're doing it for free. Yeah, there is that. I know, you know, like sometimes I'm like, Jesus, am I doing this? Like, I mean, I won't lie and say, like, I haven't like thought to myself, I'm sucking this guy's dick for free. And I don't even know if I really like him that much. I mean, like, does this make sense? (laughs) That's why I always say, I'm like, I don't understand women who can describe themselves as feminists and be anti sex work because what am I doing except monetizing sound like labor that is often performed for free by women at an unequal level where there's an imbalance in the give and take. So I've now found a way that I'm getting compensated for the physical, the sexual, the emotional, mental labor of these interactions with men. Shouldn't feminism be all for supporting that concept? You think? Yeah. I do for what I'm doing and I I do it well and like they're getting a good deal too, I think. But (laughs) if you do say so yourself, yeah. As I just humbly slip in. (laughs) But I'm sure you have ratings. I'm sure there's a place where you're rated. Well, there's review sites, but I avoid that like the plague because those are toxic. Are they? Okay. All right. We'll leave those. We'll leave those out. (laughs) So, I mean, I know I've had good reviews, but like there's always like people that you've pissed off by saying no or whatever. And like, like I had one review that somebody sent me. Because I just, I just don't read them because I'm like, you know what? I know that I'm doing a good job because my business is booming, right? right? I don't go and look at each individual review that people have written to know that. And so I don't need it to gauge, but also like, it'll just make you crazy because people yeah. will remember, like some of it I think is innocent. They remember things wrong. They mix you up with other people. Like I've had reviews that say, oh, she did this and this and this. And I'm like, I have never done that in my life. So there's that. But then there's also like these angry guys that like I had one that described me as having like a crackhead face or something. <laughs> I was just like, okay. <laughs> you don't have a crackhead face. You have a very beautiful face. Yeah. Well, that's why I don't read and, reviews. <laughs> and should, well, and I think, don't you have a, you have a, your face pictures up on Twitter, right? Yeah. 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 That's not a crackhead. Yeah, my, my face is in my ad. Like I'm fully out. Like I'm not. Yeah. 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 People are getting what they see. There's no catfishing situation, but yeah, that guy's yeah. clearly off. Like I'm sure I piss people off because I say no when I want to say no. And I, sure. I don't say when I want to say no. And right. I don't. Yeah. Like if you're coming correct to the appointment, then you're going to have a great time. Yeah. But as you pissed me off, you're going to be getting like the bare minimum courtesy if you're allowed to stay. (laughs) (laughs) The bare minimum. I love it. Okay. I want to be conscious of the time here. So give me three things that you love about sex work and three things that you'd like to change right now. Ooh, like sex work for me or Oh, okay. Yeah. Or just, in, love... or just in general. I mean, like it could be like, what do you love about sex work? Three things. And then three things that like you wish was different or changed about sex work. Like right, right now. I love that 
I don't have a choice in this world as a woman whether or not I'm going to be objectified and sexualized. And I'm going to be objectified and sexualized until I'm discarded as no longer of value in that way. And I love that I can profit from that, that I can make a living off of that, that I can turn that into something that I am making money from because so often women's objectification and sexualization is making money for rich men who are exploiting it in so many industries. So I love that this is an industry where women come out ahead. I love that this is an industry where women can make money off of that sexualization and objectification that's going to happen to them either way. I love that I can be my own boss, run my own business and make a living in a way that fits into my life instead of my life having to fit around the way I wake, make a living. I love that I get to wake up every day that I am working and know that it's going to be new. I'm going to have new experiences. Yeah. It's going to be novel and interesting in its own ways every single day. I've never had two days exactly alike. The days don't all bleed into one another. There is, I'm meeting people and having pretty deep conversations a lot of the time. Like it's amazing the way that men will open up in that moment of intimacy. The connection they feel when they've just had sex with you is like, that's such a pivotal moment, right? And it's such a like almost sacred, intimate moment. And so I've just like, I've connected with people I would never otherwise probably have those conversations with or even interact with at all necessarily. And yeah, I love that. That, That's personal satisfaction thing for me. And I think that's three, <laughs> but, and then, and then what three things, yeah. What would you change? Like, what do you wish was ch- different right now? I want it completely decriminalized here, there and everywhere. I want, I don't know why I seem to be losing my voice. All of <laughs> Sorry. I want it completely decriminalized for the, the safety of everybody, for the betterment of everybody involved in the industry. And I want it destigmatized. Because the stigma is what makes it dangerous. Sex work is not inherently dangerous. Like massage therapy is a one-on-one intimate thing. Often people working out of their homes, those kinds of things. But we never like worry about the safety of massage therapists. But all of a sudden when sex is involved, people are like, oh, it it must be deviance, right? Mm -hmm. Like the clients have to be deviants. Therefore, it's inherently dangerous. But that's not the case. The clients are your dad, your coworker, your brother. Like they're just the everyday men of society. You know what I mean? It's not this devious. So it's not that sex work is inherently dangerous. It's that the stigma around it, the secrecy around it, all of those things make it dangerous and make us vulnerable targets. So I want it decriminalized. I want it destigmatized. And I want men to just like... The men who are who want to be clients, I want them to just be coming at it from a place of respect for us. And a lot are, like a lot are. And the clients that I see are, they tend to have a lot of respect for me and I feel that with them. But when you get the people that are messaging, trying to offer you less than your rate or things like that, like because of the... So like, hey, let me put my my pussy on discount. Like Exactly. Like I'm not subsidizing you getting off. (laughs) It's not pay what you can. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm not subsidizing you getting on. Yeah, I'm not subsidizing. Well, now, so you know what? That's an interesting thought. So women that are doing it for free, we're subsidizing men getting off. <laughs> yes, you do charity work. And we need charities, but we need business too. Right. Yes. Hey, buddy, we're doing charity work it. today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God. But I also 
think that last one, like that naturally is going to occur less. The more you legitimize the industry, the less people see it as something that we can be treated as less than professionals, right? We should be treated like professional service providers because we're professional service providers. Yes, you are. All right. So what's on the horizon for you? Have you started your podcast? Um, I am working on it right now. I have so much in the mix. I've, I've just been, um, I'm volunteering with a local sex worker organization and it's very grassroots and we're working on a lot of projects. So, so much of my time has been devoted to that. But yes, the podcast is back on the table. I am hoping for like a late summer, early fall, probably launch for that. And then also I'm in connection with a book editor who works for a publishing company. So a book book will be the, once the podcast is up and running and I've gotten over the big hump of all of the learning curve with that, then I'll, I'll be starting to work on the book and very excited about both of those things. And yeah, in the meanwhile, people can just keep updated on my Twitter. I have another podcast interview coming up that you connected me with. So there will be other podcasts that people can listen to, to catch me on in the meantime until mine is available. So yeah. yeah. So where do you want people to reach out, follow you, find you? Yeah. So Twitter is still the best place for now, which is the at Aubrey Pesky, A-U-B-R-I-E-P-E-S-K-Y. And then I also have that pestyprostitute.com, but that's still under construction at the moment. So still the Twitter feed is the Twitter. best place. Okay. Awesome. And I'll put all that, I will put all that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for your time and for coming back on. I, I no, my pleasure. I love talking to you. The time I know. Always I'm like, goodness, there's so many more episodes. Like every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh, I think of more questions. Um, yeah. So like, I'll probably reach back out again and be like, hey, you need to come back on. I've got some more, I've got some more questions for you. And everybody, yes, yes. I, I just, I enjoy it. And Everybody, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Aubrey. Don't be afraid to look her up. Like I said, her Twitter feed is very entertaining. She's just as much fun as she sounds. And everybody stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. And if you want to reach out to me, you know what you can do. You can go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and click on the pink tab on the right-hand side. You've got five minutes to leave me a voicemail. You know, I love your messages. It's my chance to interact with you, start a conversation. We can talk about whatever you want. And I will We'll get back to you personally. All right, everyone. We'll stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.